Good afternoon, everybody. This is Greg McBride and Mike Lung, the Allendale Market Talk podcast, episode number 10? 11. 11 today. Uh, <laughs> we, are, uh, we are joined by Rich Nelson. Uh, Allendale had our, our big acreage survey re, uh, uh, released today. Uh, we're going to bring Rich in and have him have him talk a little bit about the numbers um, and try and you know get an idea of, of why do we do this? You know, we're getting numbers from the from the USDA in a few weeks. Why is it, why is it such a big deal for us? So um, let's just go through the numbers real quick. What did what did you find, Rich? You know, for the most part, uh, the general message is a little smaller uh, acreage than we expected to see here, and also uh, smaller than USDA. Uh, in general, acreage, uh, total acreage, corn, soybeans, and wheat down about 3 million acres from last year. So that's a, maybe a little more than the trade expected to see. I think USDA was talking about 2 million acre declines uh, back last month. Uh, on the corn side, 91.5 million acres. Uh, this would be an increase of 2.3. On the soybean side, 84.3 million acres, probably on the lower end of the general trade discussion, down about 4.9 from last year. Well, we're now. You say we're going to be down about uh, 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 three million acres, um, two to three million acres. Where where are those acres coming from? Is that is that uh, it's, that's not going to be in the heartland, is it? No, no, of course not. You know, Illinois, uh, Indiana, uh, uh, Iowa, and, and eastern Nebraska. You're not really looking at acreage declines there. Obviously, uh, the question right now is a lot of the discussion about Kansas, uh, all the way up through North Dakota, especially the central and western areas is where all that uh, acres those acres could move here okay so those are uh, what would what would ha- happen with those acres that are are not put to uh, corn beans or wheat in those in those areas where do they go to so some will be, of course be planted uh, you know you got your you've got your sorghum uh, which would be a big question for us this year that's a that's a crop that's just cheap to plant which is really what a lot of guys are doing right or want to do right now uh, the other question is perhaps maybe million million and a half could be used as uh, as going uh, recreation ground or just sitting idle here for a little oh, bit. So they could go to hunting, or or we could, you know, if we go to so- sorghum. I mean, we've seen uh, here recently that China's been buying sorghum from us. Um, is that a, a possibility that you know a few years ago they were buying from us heavily? Is that a possibility that with the absence of them buying maybe corn or soybeans that they they pick up the sor- the sorghum buying from us again. It would seem to be an easy, quick, correct thing for them to do. Uh, avoid corn, maybe, because corn's uh, still, uh, you know, corn has some questions for them right now, but certainly on the sorghum side, if we get some trade movement these next few weeks from China, yes, this could be an issue where perhaps sorghum could pick, pick up a half million acres by itself. Oh, okay. There was something going on today. There was a lot of talk about China potentially picking up beans or corn uh it sounds like it's pretty iffy about whether or not that's that rumor is going to be true we'll see tomorrow on reports but what do you think that would do to these acres do you think that would make any difference about whether or not we are getting more and more china business right now yeah and that's obviously one thing we're all kind of waiting for and uh and hoping for and i think right now i'm not quite sure if acreage decisions are quite being made based on china trade discussions uh, for a lot of these issues on the feed grain side, but it, it is something to watch here. Yeah. Okay. With um, uh, with the wheat uh, crop, I mean, we've already we already know, um, you know, winter wheat is down quite a bit. Um, uh, with the smallest uh, crop in over a hundred years, smallest winter wheat crop in over a hundred years. Um, 
one of the things that we'll start to talk about here over the next few weeks is is spring wheat planting. Where, where do you see that? Because obviously the, the guys in the northern plains are having some problems with, with weather lately. What, what's your thoughts there? And that's a, I think that's probably the key starting point for us for these next few weeks. Obviously, spring planting is, is going to be an issue in the first week, maybe two weeks of April. Uh, one thing we've, just, we've been discussing, we should be crossing like that 25% planted mark roughly around April 23rd. Uh, and in those previous years of wet weather where we didn't have that, uh, uh, the uh, preventive plant issue up in North Dakota, uh, 2009 through 11, that was the starting point for our discussions, that, that, uh, that spring wheat. So those people up there, they want to plant, they want to plant something cheap, but will they be able to get a chance here? Right. Now, uh, so we've been doing this, uh, this survey for 20 or 30 years now. And it's it's kind of evolved, and and uh, I know we uh, we like to use it as part of our our uh, research center and and the research that we do getting ready for this uh, for this USDA report at the end of the month. But what are I mean? Are we getting anything else besides setting ourselves up for for estimates, or you know, where why is it important that that we're doing this? You know, is it is it just to kind of fact check the USDA when their numbers come out, how do, what's the what's the importance of this? So oftentimes it gives us a it gives us a, a preview of what USDA could say here at the end of the month. Uh, as a reminder, uh, we set up our survey relatively uh, very similar to what USDA does. This is a farmer-based survey. This is not Allendale's numbers or, or input on these numbers. So this is hopefully number one. Uh, yes, try to guess what USDA could say by the end of the month. But number two also give us an extra two weeks, three weeks ahead of USDA to. Uh, plan out some plans for this coming spring. What could happen with supplies? Uh, maybe if some people are saying, well, if we're moving this much uh, acreage over here, perhaps I might want to personally adjust something myself and maybe plan that out here these next few weeks. I got you. Okay. So what uh, what we're looking at uh, this year, just uh, off of these numbers, um, you know, uh, production uh, for corn, 14.85 million or billion bushels. Um, Production for beans four point two one two. All right, where where does that put us as far as kind of moving the the needle on uh, on the ending stocks issue? It almost does nothing, and I'll be very clear about that. And the problem is we have for corn and soybeans. While we're maybe moving uh, more acres into corn, we have smaller beginning stocks, so it really doesn't change the corn supply story too much. Uh, soybean side, where we are dropping acres, we still have this rising beginning stock story, so it doesn't change that story too much. But on the other hand, uh, keep in mind we've got a few things to consider. The past few years have seen a more aggressive planting than normal, a more successful planting than we normally have. So keep that in mind. Number two, last few years we have seen above trend yields and even yields exceeding what we expected based on the weather during summer. So on both these issues, where we're starting out right now says, yes, the supply story is not changing in the grand scheme of things, though the past couple of years have been kind of unique in, in success for us on growing crops. Well, one of the things that, uh, you know, we look at with these numbers is, you know, down 5 million acres on, uh, or about 5 million acres on beans, that's got to kind of kick you a little bit to hear that that's not going to affect the the ending stocks issue we've got. Obviously, we've got our issues with China, but... Uh, we sit at 900 million right now. Um, is there still a possibility with a decent sized crop or continued issues with with exports 
we do see this uh, this go to over a billion goes to 1.1 or 1.2 billion is that is that an issue that we still have to continue to to fight with that's a great question um, and the other thing I point out is this does set up set us up where now and different than last year I'd say now if we do have a minor weather scare even if it plays doesn't play out or not I, I think the market has a setup to where say to where lower acres what if we do get a weather you know hiccup here and there I think this does give the market a chance to say we won't clean out these extra beginning uh, these extra stocks but uh, perhaps uh, people who get a little excited about these numbers uh, can probably make some cases during the growing season at least maybe that uh, things are not as bad as, uh, as we're talking about right now a billion or over or something like that. very good all right uh, Mike you have anything you want to throw in on this and yeah, based on what you found with these numbers and everything and how prices are right now, how do you, would you justify us being at these levels based on the acres and everything we have, or what do you what do you see in the upcoming future with USDA's report right around the corner with where we're at price-wise? Do you think that economically this is where we should be, or? Uh, for corn, no. And I'll say that very strongly. Uh, we are at the lower end of the price range we should expect for corn. Uh, and this is, we're being artificially uh, pressured by the trade issues. Soybeans, yeah, this is probably realistic. And you give us a weather scare to $10, I think that's a real realistic discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before we wrap things up, I actually want to ask you guys a question. Because okay. I was the person doing a lot of number crunching, but you guys did a lot of surveys yourselves. What did you hear from producers about, yeah, the concern about moisture, uh, did you hear any problems from the guys up in the heavy moisture areas? Are they panicking? Where, where are we at with that uh, problem? Well, I don't think there's any panic yet. Um, I do know uh, just from talking to guys, whether it's you know here in the Midwest or, or in the Southeast, everyone it seems like they're all kind of running into the same thing. It's been wet since last fall. It continues to be wet, and whether you're, you've got snow on the ground or you know we're melting off like we are, where it's it's all sitting on top, um, I don't think guys think that they're going to be out there mid-April. I think they're they're all thinking, well, if all goes according to plan, if I can get out there by by the beginning of May, we'll we'll get it done. Um, you know, there's there's a few you know a few guys that you know like we talk about this the spring wheat that they. They thought about planting more spring wheat, and as they've seen the snow stack up uh, out there, it, 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 that's become a pipe dream at this point. So, I mean, I one of the big things I've been also hearing is uh, getting actual crop out right now is it's just a mess with these back roads and everything. And more of the worry right now is if there is some kind of big spike and farmers are trying to get their crop cashed out. They can't because they just can't get the actual crop to the elevator. Mm-hmm. That's something I've been hearing more so than yeah, they're a little worried about actually getting on the field, but more so being able to move the crop that they currently have in place mm-hmm. it seems to be an issue that I've been hearing, especially in the Kansas area. And there's a there's a lot of guys that you know as we get into you know later into May and and maybe even early June that. You know, they all talk about, oh, there's this this drop dead date that if I don't plant it by by this day, yeah. I'm going to lose X number of bushels per day, and they, well, I'm still going to plant it. There's no, I mean, these guys, that's what yeah. they that's what they do. They want to be able to plant. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to plant these acres. They they they're proud of that stuff. That's what they do. So, um, but 
is there, I mean, do we have any data on that, that if, oh, if I don't plant corn until the 5th of June or the 10th of June, I'm, I can look at maybe a 5% cutback on, on yield on those acres versus the acres that were planted a month before or uh, two weeks before. Yeah. Uh, uh, on the weather side, as far as the yield side, and we, and we have done a lot of work on this, the hard part is beginning soil moisture has little to no impact on final yields, and that's something that, that uh, I'm good, we get a lot of pushback on. I, I certainly agree with that uh, pushback, but that's the simple fact is, uh, yes, we do have yield dates, and universities do have very clear research on this, which is completely true. However, these type of issues certainly pale in comparison to the massive uh, yield impact that summer weather brings. So, yes, I think we can argue about yields, and it is a valid discussion, and perhaps will we'll help us get a maybe a little rally going here at, uh, at some point in the coming weeks. So if, we, if we're dry going into late June and into July for, for corn, we're, we're going to probably yeah. see, see more of an impact to the yield at that point, or a lot more yes. impact to, than we will if it's a later planted crop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, anything else you got there for us? I think that pretty much sums it up. Well, thank you, Rich. We appreciate you, you giving us, you know, 10, 15 minutes of your time. I know, obviously, uh, report days and, and survey release days are a big day for you. So um, if there's anything at all that uh, we we want to get out of this podcast, it's, you know, keep following us with, uh, with the information. We put out a, a fantastic product. Rich is in charge of that. And... We, uh, we look forward to being able to have you in here and, and talk markets and, and be able to continue to, uh, to kind of pick your brain about uh, what you're seeing uh, as, you, uh, as you do what you do. Happy to help. And you guys are doing a fantastic job yourself. I've heard a couple of these before, and this is a, a great tool, no doubt. Thank you. And if you guys have any questions for any of us, please re- feel free to reach out by phone, 800-262-7538. The number again is 800-262-7538 by email service at allendale-inc.com. For Mike Lone, Greg McBride, and Rich Nelson this week, signing off for Allendale Market Talk. Have a great week.